today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Continuing to talk about uh, the Supreme Court nominee, Brett Kavanaugh, and the testimony yesterday of he and uh, Christine Blasey Ford. Uh, Literally, uh, 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 he said, she said. I'm not sure how any of this can move forward when we have two people standing up, uh, both with a hand on the Bible and the other one in the air, saying they swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, and then we have two completely different stories. It is just bizarre how uh, this... uh, I don't want to say it's normally a routine situation when there's a Supreme Court justice that's appointed because it does greatly influence politics and and how things are decided. But uh, this has generated a tremendous amount of attention. Uh, In angry and occasionally tearful testimony yesterday before the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee, Kavanaugh denied sexual misconduct allegations brought against him by three women. Uh, Hearing adjourned after more than eight hours where lawmakers heard from both Kavanaugh and Christine Blasey Ford, who says that Kavanaugh sexually assaulted her when they were both teenagers. Republican Senator uh, John Kennedy was solemn when he posed the uh, the final question. I'm going to give you a last opportunity. We're right here, right in front of God and country. I want you to look me in the eye. Are Dr. Ford's allegations true? They're not accurate as to me. I have not questioned that she might have been sexually assaulted at some point in her life by someone, someplace. But as to me, I've never done this. Never. All right, uh, the White House pushing back against the call from the American Bar Association to slow the vote of the Supreme Court nominee until the FBI can do a full background uh, check. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, spokesperson, of course, uh, for the White House, says Kavanaugh's already been through six background investigations by the FBI, and uh, Donald Trump fully supports him. He felt like Judge Kavanaugh, uh, was his testimony was powerful, it was riveting, um, and it was honest. Uh, certainly, I think all of America thought Dr. Ford's testimony was compelling, um, and I believe something likely happened to this woman, Did but not at the hands of credible? Judge Kavanaugh. All right, let's bring, uh, bring in Claire Finkelstein, professor of law and philosophy, University of Pennsylvania Law School, and with us now. Claire, thanks for the time so much. Much appreciated. Thanks for having me, Scott. How can anything move forward when we have two different people saying two different things in such compelling testimony? Well, the thing is that senators are saying uh, it's his word against her word. We don't have any corroboration of Dr. Ford's claims, but they haven't been willing to do the two things that could corroborate her claims. Number one, of course, is to order an FBI investigation. And number two, would be to bring in other witnesses like Mark Judge, who might be able to answer the question of whether or not there's any corroborating evidence, whether or not there's any additional testimony that they should be considering. Of course, it's always possible if they brought in Mark Judge, who is the person who supposedly witnessed the alleged uh, attack on Dr. Ford, he might lie under oath, but then his demeanor and his manner of speaking and his ability to answer questions would be on display for senators. And they haven't been able, they haven't been willing to go ahead and do that. And as we saw yesterday, very much on display, um, Judge Kavanaugh himself was not willing to call for an FBI investigation. So how could it be anything other than his word against hers? 
It appears that uh, his strategy was to not deny that this that this woman had had this experience, but that it wasn't him, that there was confusion. Is that accurate? Yes, um, although he was even a little bit more cagey about that. He said um, it may well be that she had uh, the experience that she describes, but it certainly wasn't me. Uh, but he had rather harsher words to say about other allegations that, of course, weren't before the Senate committee yesterday, um, you know, saying it was a, a farce and a joke. And uh, and then the harshest thing, of course, that he had to say was that uh, whether Dr. Ford's experience was true from her point of view, that this attack actually happened to her or not, that the use of this allegation was really a plot uh, by uh, Senate Democrats who are embittered about Hillary's 2016 defeat to get back at Republicans. And so he treated it as part of a grand conspiracy. Uh, And that was a note of anger and bitterness and resentment that was injected into the proceedings yesterday uh, that makes the committee's decision to send this to the full Senate a little surprising. So, as you mentioned, they will vote on this, this uh, to, to progress on this this afternoon. Does that mean that they believed Kavanaugh and not Blasey Ford? Well, that's a very good question that you ask, and, and therein lies a very potentially very painful result for millions of women in this country who watched those hearings yesterday, eyes full of tears, sexual assault hotline was uh, had its phones ringing off the hook uh, for millions of women watching uh, Dr. Ford's testimony and watching the response to that testimony. This is kind of a litmus test of where the country stands on sexual assault, how much women are to be believed, whether or not they ought to summon their courage up to come forward with allegations, if indeed uh, this obviously will go from the committee to the full Senate, which could have happened even if the committee had voted it down, because Mitch McConnell did have the ability to bring it to the floor of the Senate. But if the full Senate confirms uh, Judge Kavanaugh, this will be a tremendous rebuke, will be experienced as a tremendous rebuke for millions of women who are who are watching these proceedings. What was your thoughts on both of these testimonies yesterday? My experience, but obviously the country uh, saw it through very two very different sets of lenses. Uh, I thought Dr. Ford was highly, highly credible. Uh, even the slips in memory, not being able to place exactly what date this occurred or where it occurred made her testimony a little more credible, uh, paradoxically enough, because uh, she really seemed to experience it as the memory of someone many years later recalling an incident of when she was 15 years old. Uh, She remembered very vividly the parts that were most traumatic for her, uh, but she hasn't been able to piece together those particular very detailed um, items uh, that would help to corroborate, partly because she doesn't have information, for example, about when Mark Judge worked at the Safeway and things that would help her piece together her memory. So at any rate, I thought she was very plausible. Um, 
I thought Judge Kavanaugh was genuinely emotional and outraged and angry about this. But I thought that his the veracity of his testimony was really colored by the way that he answered the questions of multiple senators who asked him if he would support an FBI investigation. And the fact that he never answered that question in the affirmative and only answered by becoming more and more exercised about the fact that he was willing to testify, uh, I think casts significant doubt on his, uh, on his veracity. And I'll just say one more thing about his performance yesterday is that he did appear to be very unhinged for much of his testimony and really rather crude and not fully in control of himself. And for many senators, I believe, and for much of the country, that seems to have raised questions about his temperament and his suitability to be on the court that I think uh, the Senate should pay close attention to. That was my next question, Claire. Over and above whether who you believe or or, or what you don't believe or, or what side of the political spectrum that you're on, this man is still vying for a job on the Supreme Court. Did he show the fortitude and and strength that's needed to, to, to serve in that role? No, he really didn't. And he, and he wasn't even as dignified as Clarence Thomas was in addressing Anita Hill's allegations. He showed this uh, kind of retreat to deeply partisan politics in accusing Senate Democrats of plotting against him. He showed himself really unable to work with both sides of the aisle or to address allegations in a kind of sober, matter-of-fact way. Uh, He revealed that he subscribes to a kind of deep state conspiracy theory, or at least something resembling that. Uh, And he just uh, did not appear to be in control of himself. Those are not characteristics you want in a federal judge. Will that work against him in the sense that it's not so much that what happened, and and not to, to discredit that in any way, not so much what happened, but how he handled it? I think that's right. I mean, I I think some senators could come away with the view that, well, we're not able to corroborate these allegations, but maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe this man is is just um, does not have the temperament that you want in a federal judge, let alone a Supreme Court justice who has to be able to deal with all sorts of highly emotional cases. Uh, who you want to be independently minded and who really has to have a first and foremost a deep commitment to upholding the rule of law and to deciding cases in a dispassionate way. And that's what it looked like he was not able to do, decide cases in a dispassionate way. So why not just move on? I mean, you know, obviously there needs to be some 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 greater examination of this. Why not just move on to somebody else? There's lots of judges out there that I'm sure don't have baggage. Absolutely. And there are only nine slots on the Supreme Court. Only one slot is open now. And there are potentially thousands of excellent nominees who could be chosen. It is surprising to me that the Republicans have hung in there with this nominee, that they are willing to to fight this bloodbath in order to 
get him confirmed. And I, I really wonder what that's all about. I know that for Donald Trump, there were great advantages in this particular nominee because of the position that he has taken on the right of the president to fire a special counsel. And clearly, Donald Trump thinks that this particular nominee will support his positions around presidential authority, maybe why he's so keen to have him, but why the Senate, which surely wants more independent in justices of the Supreme Court, would be willing to hang in there with him, is not clear to me. Uh, this dividing the U.S. more, even more, did the, this testimony yesterday change any minds or just have both sides digging in deeper? It looks tragically as though it's both sides digging in deeper. Uh, it is it is a very, very sad moment for the country, I think, both because of those millions of women who are watching this and thinking, so they don't care about my situation, my sexual assault, uh, how sympathetic will this justice be to women's rights once on the Supreme Court. But also, as you point out, because of the deep political divisions that this is playing into and how profoundly unable to put aside partisan differences the Senate now is, uh, more so than ever in its history, and how little the rule of law seems to be uh, playing a role here, even in the very way that the proceedings are conducted. So to see the um, members of the Senate, having chosen to have, for example, this um, female assistant, um, as they put it, uh, to ask their questions, uh, Republican senators then put that aside and uh, started asking their own questions when it came to the nominee himself. And so they're not even willing to follow their own procedures. Hmm. That's when you know that the, the rule of law and order and civility are really being thrown out the window. Uh, Blasey Ford testified first, then Kavanaugh. I presume he would have been watching this. How would her testimony have changed his tone? Had he watched it. Mm -hmm. Because he said he did not watch it. So that's what you're referring to. Yes. Scott, I think that's a a very good question. Um, It's very telling that he didn't watch it, isn't it? Because... How do we know he didn't? Especially in a case like this, how do we know? Right. Well, that's a good point. He said that he had planned to watch it, but that he was too busy preparing his own testimony. So uh, he he obviously had no embarrassment saying that his plan was to watch it. Um, But um, it's a good question. The fact, if indeed it's true that he didn't watch it, Um, one might point to a rather sort of lack of empathy there, namely whatever he thinks about the the allegation, the appropriateness of her making it, uh, and its truth, you might think that he would be interested in her experience in any event, or at least want to know what that experience is for her and to see her demeanor in delivering it. How could you not watch uh, it? How could you not watch it, right? So this seems like a like a man who is so dug into his anger and is in general a kind of hostile, resentful person, uh, and he certainly came across that way, um, even putting aside 
the justified anger of someone who had been falsely accused, if indeed he had been, one might expect a greater show of listening and empathy from someone, even in that position. How can we be prepared for something so large without listening to what the accuser had to say? That just doesn't make sense to me. I think that's right. I think that's right, although he felt that his strongest uh, tack was just to insist over and over again that he did not do it and then to attack his attackers. Wouldn't his exactly mood what he did. wouldn't his mood and the fact that it changed so much from the Fox interview wouldn't that lend lend itself to the thought that perhaps he did watch it and he got really ticked off while watching it. That's why he was so jazzed that's why he was so jazzed up this time. Well, you ask a good question, Scott, and I, I think that part of it may have been a strategy. While there was, I think, a, a real display of emotion there, uh, I think he also thought that coming in with this uh, level of anger against Senate Democrats, coming in with this conspiracy theory uh, that this was all a big plot, I think he thought that might work for him. Uh, and it may be that it did, though watching it, I would have been surprised by that outcome. What can we learn from this? What can we take away from this? Because this will happen again. Where do we go from here? What do we learn from this? I think we're, as a country, going to need to spend a lot of time learning from this. And the takeaway is not clear yet. One of the striking observations that I've been making as this has played out is how deeply the politics of sexual relations has infused the entire Trump administration and so much of what is going on in power politics. And that sounds like a kind of feminist manifesto, but but here one can really um, not avoid the conclusion that the politics around sexual assault and sexual harassment are somehow deeply intertwined with the American political situation right now and and deeply divided ideologies that we're seeing in the country. So I think all of us are going to need to take a lesson from that and think about what that means. Interesting times, like we haven't said that before. Uh, Claire Finkelstein has been with us, professor of law and philosophy, University of Pennsylvania Law School. Claire, as always, thank you so much for the time. Much appreciated. Thanks for having me, Scott. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.